Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about leadership, how you can become a leader uh, in your team, in your business, everywhere. And I'm excited to discuss this topic with Petra Zin. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, nice, nice. Let's check out your profile. You have extended experience. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, your experience, background, and why you decided to take this topic. <laughs> well, my name is Petra Zink. I live now in Australia. I'm originally from Austria. Came here nearly 12 years ago for six months and never left. I love the lifestyle. I love the people. I love everything about it. Um, what I'm doing today, I'm a personal brand and digital strategist. And what that means is I'm working with senior corporate professionals and help them go from being the technical expert to become the trusted authority in their industry. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Love it. Yeah. You run two companies. Can you tell how, how to run two companies? For example, for me, it's hard to run one company because you need to handle <laughs> team, to control them, to uh, check out all uh, this performance. Tell how to do it. I think Elon Musk can and you <laughs> provide more insights for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, they both work together. So I've got a B2C company called Impact. And this is where we work with individual leaders on how they can build their authority in the marketplace. It may be that they want to climb up the corporate ladder. It may be that you want to land a board role. It may be that you want to add public speaking into their career portfolio. It may also be that you want to start their own consulting practice. There are mm -hmm. multiple reasons why you actually want to become the authority, the go-to in your industry. And then at the same time, because my background is brand and product marketing as the actual individual contributor and as a leader, and then I switched into recruitment. And what I've realized there was that so many talented professionals couldn't sell themselves. And this is actually how I got into personal branding to start with. And what over the last probably, you know, three years especially has shown is that companies need the best talents to stay competitive, to future-proof themselves. So we still work also with companies on how we can get the best out of their leaders, out of their teams connected with their company brand. So it's very much um, a similar approach. They very much work hand in hand together. Uh, and this is how I can actually scale because the approach, the results are very similar. It's just a different audience that we uh, work with and also the way how we deliver content and the results is different. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Love it. Okay. Uh, for example, um, if uh, someone wanna uh, become a leader, uh, can you tell uh, where to start? For example, yeah, um, I don't know, everyone can be a leader or it's just you need to, uh, to born with that, to have this talent, provide more insights about that. Oh, I love this question because it starts with defining what leadership actually means to you. For me in my very traditional upbringing, it was always you need to lead big teams, then you are a leader full stop. Mm -hmm. And I worked towards this position and then I had a team of 16 and I hated it. <laughs> I just didn't get a joy out of it. I was tired in a second. I woke up. It was quite draining. And what I didn't realize was that my sweet spot is actually in leading with thoughts, leading with content, leading with original ideas rather than leading people as such. So it starts with self-awareness where uh, what is leadership to you? What does success look like? And where can you contribute your best 
um, yourself. It might be that you are inspiring other people to do and be their best. And people leadership is great. But it could also be change leadership. For example, if you are a project manager or a uh, change manager, how can you inspire change also without the admin, the HR responsibilities connected with it? It might be in my case, it's more thought leadership. How can you start different conversations based on different ideas and angles and insights? And this is where it all starts. What does leadership actually mean to you? What does success look like? And where can you contribute your best and biggest value to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, once uh, I read the study uh, about, um, uh, uh, you know, when people uh, uh, feel exhausted or uh, tiredness, you know, uh, it's interesting that uh, if you feel, uh, if you have this feeling, that means uh, you uh, have additional 60% of time, you know, to work hard. <laughs> so I got yes. it, for example, yeah, you, you don't need to search for excuses, just uh, go ahead. And for me, leadership, it's more to show uh, your team that you can uh, work hard to uh, uh, work more than anybody else in your team. And yeah, it's a good, uh, good leadership. What do, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's more what you do and what you show rather than what you tell and what you say, because actions speak still a lot louder than words. And as I said, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have direct people responsibilities to be a leader. Simply by you starting a different conversations on LinkedIn, for example, can still establish you as a leader. Or also mm -hmm. in your team, you don't need the title to be the leader. This is also when we talk about future leadership, which is um, you know very different to traditional leadership. What we see in companies that hierarchy is getting a lot flatter. So we can't necessarily bank on getting the promotion, getting the more senior role in a year, in two years, in five years' time. So it, the question is, how can we influence also without the title necessarily? How can we build trust that we know what we're doing, that we are reliable also without necessarily having the manager or the leadership title connected to it? And this is the new way how we can actually create change, how we can influence and impact organizations and results. Nice, nice, nice. Love it. Okay. Uh, can you tell uh, how to... Uh encourage others for example if you have a team and you want to empower them to go ahead to achieve high results but uh, many people might have their goals for example family uh, kids uh, anything you know or, or traveling but you want to tell them that we need to produce high quality products we need to work out how to encourage them to do it mm. well it starts with making it relevant to them just because i say eat broccoli or mm -hmm. exercise five times a day you're like oh go away <laughs> because i haven't <laughs> listened to you i haven't asked you the question what's important to you and how does your contribution actually create a bigger impact and this is where so many professionals also lose um, their motivation in their own roles because they don't see how they actually contribute to something bigger the vision has never been explained they don't know what the purpose is of doing the doing it's just paying the bills but that gets old very quickly so it starts with identifying what are your drivers what are your motivators you know everyone wants to be fit but for different reasons for one person it could mean that they would fit into the wedding dress that comes up in three months time for the other person it means that they don't have to undergo a surgery or that they can actually prepare for a surgery that they're getting healthier so what does it mean for you to be fit uh, and why is it important and how can we build a plan around you that is sustainable and also not going from zero to a hundred like if I've never exercised, if I've never written content, if I've never 
done something that would stretch me a lot, but I know this is kind of the next step. What can I do right now that gets me a little bit further? So it might be that we say we start with 15 minutes exercise. You know, if you don't like it, it doesn't matter. It's only 15 minutes. And then it's, you know, 20 minutes and then it's 30 minutes. So how can we also create and develop our own confidence and commitment muscle by getting some results and saying, hmm, it was actually not too bad. I probably could run another five minutes or I could, you know, lift another two kilos heavier, whatever it might be. So simple, smaller steps and then also celebrating those little milestones and expanding from there. Yeah, I, I want to share how I, you know, practice my confidence because, you know, when I started to film videos, um, you know, because English is only my third language, uh, but that was interesting uh, for me. Um, that was better to uh, break my leg than uh, film a video because uh, I uh, I was not confident, you know, to film any video. I didn't want to tell anything. Uh, but uh, after filming a hundred videos, I can get this confidence. Can you tell more, you know, about confidence? Uh, for example, if someone shy and uh, uh, have no idea how to overcome it, how to do it, how to achieve your goals, for example, if you are not confident with something. Oh, confidence is a myth. <laughs> it doesn't just show up one day. You wake up, it's like, oh, there's my confidence. Finally, it doesn't happen. Action inspires confidence because with action, you get results. And with that, you get experience. And with that experience, you build confidence. So how to build mm -hmm. confidence is to have more of those experiences. When, you know, I'm actually the biggest introvert that you will ever meet. And still, yeah. I'm speaking for a living. <laughs> how did I do it? I started very small. So initially, I started to host lunch and learn sessions in my back then company for my team. But I actually only organized it and got guest speakers in. I didn't even speak myself. And then slowly but surely, I started to interview the guest speaker. And then we did a 50-50 split that I did a half session and then the guest speaker did another half session. And then slowly, I hosted my own events that I interviewed others, you know, a mm -hmm. big panel. Then I spoke by myself. Then I spoke for bigger stages. So you want to build this confidence muscle. And the more experience you gain, the more results you gain, the more confidence you gain. So Having confidence simply because you are a special person is a myth. It does not happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Interesting. Uh, okay, can you tell more about patience? Uh, I often see when um, someone uh, gi gives up, you know, because uh, they can't see results for a few days. Even, you know, it's interesting. My son uh, decided to give up uh, to play soccer for, for a few days because uh, he couldn't play like Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. I told him, no, you need to be patient with results. Can you tell, tell more about that? And I'll share this with, uh, video with my son. <laughs> I love this question because I'm also the least patient person on earth. Everything mm -hmm. should be done by yesterday. Having said yeah. that, this is where it's so important to fall in love with the process and not with the end results. Because often we get so hung up to earn a certain amount of money, to have the certain title, to have a particular skill that we don't enjoy the journey to actually get there. And this is what we want to focus on. Because if you really, if it's really important to you, then you want to master this craft, this skill, this behavior. And that means it's an evolution. You, there is no end goal as such. You could always earn more. You could always have more influence. You can always kick the ball better. So falling in love with the process, enjoying the journey, celebrating those highs, but also sharing the lows and how we actually overcome it. That is what makes us committed. 
and also realizing why is it so important for me to master public speaking? Why is it so important to be a really good football player? Because often it's not necessarily kicking the football really well. It may be that we get the respect that we actually crave or the love that we are looking for. So it's often the underlying motivation that gets us going. So realizing why is it so important for me to earn uh, $500,000 or to have the director title or to whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, from my experience, it's better uh, not to think about money. <laughs> uh, for example, I remember, you know, uh, that was interesting. Um, uh, my second business in Ukraine uh, was uh, something that I hated. Uh, I just chased money. I tried to earn all money in the world, but uh, I failed for three years. I wasted a lot of resources with that because uh, I didn't understand the topic. I just uh, thought that I, I can create something new, the, uh, but without understanding the topic. And yeah, I failed for three years. But when I, I started to do what I like, what I love, uh, and, uh, when you don't care about money, you can go ahead with that because uh, money is not in the first stage. It's like playing ping pong. If uh, I'm not waiting when someone will pay money. For playing people because uh, i'm not professional you know to uh, show other uh, people my skills uh, and yeah for me it's more important to love what you do what do you think about that absolutely and this also comes back to clarifying for you what success means what leadership actually means because we are so driven by society standards if you don't earn six figures if you don't have this title if you don't get married until you know you're 32 whatever it might be then you're not successful but mm -hmm. what if i'm not driven by all of that and this is what we as a society i think we have to learn or relearn probably that it's okay to chase whatever success looks to you for others it might be to finish every day at three o'clock to go to a yoga class for example or to only work two days a week to travel the world whatever it might be so also breaking away from those standards what you have to have and be and do in order to be successful mm -hmm. yeah yeah once i read a story about uh, one guy uh, who earned eight million dollars uh, a year good money but uh, he was uh, unhappy with that because he couldn't earn a billion dollars no <laughs> and uh the second story was about uh, a guy who trained a basketball team and uh 40k a year and he was so happy with that because he uh you know when, when he uh, took a basketball field he, uh, he can feel happy no he doesn't need anything else because it's his life so i think yeah it's better <laughs> to find what you like uh, can Absolutely. you tell more about yeah what do you think about qualities what kind of qualities leadership needs uh, to have yeah i would say two big qualities um that stand out for me straight away it's first being self-aware and this mm -hmm. is where leadership actually starts meaning what is it that makes me tick what are my drivers what are my motivators what do i stand for and also what do i not stand for simply knowing what you can bring to the table because based on that you can build a team a high functioning a high performing team around you so for example i know um in my you know corporate career i excelled until i failed and i questioned my own abilities and there's this famous quote from albert einstein which i'll probably butcher but he said something along the lines, if you put a, tr a fish on a tree and expect it to climb, it will always feel it's dumb. Mm -hmm. 
And mm -hmm. this also is what happens to so many senior leaders. Simply because we are an individual contributor and outperformed in this role doesn't mean that we are an incredible leader because it's a different skill set. But nobody knows us better than ourselves. So going back and seeing where have I excelled in and at and why and what mm -hmm. how did it make me feel so it also comes down to the energy management side of things not just time management because as you said before when i'm really good at it and i enjoy doing it time flies by and i excel in doing it and i can probably create a much bigger outcome that others could that wouldn't be in their wheelhouse that isn't their strength so this is the first part and then also being intentional Everyone talks about you need to be authentic and so forth. And I think, no, you're probably not. For me, for example, it's five o'clock in the morning. I literally just finished the gym. If I would be authentic, I would be still sweaty. I would probably be still half asleep. And I am showing up intentionally because I want to create value that others can benefit from. I want to give my best for you because you are producing the show. And this is what leadership also means. What is it that you want to bring to the table? How do you show up intentionally? And which actions do you need to align to make this happen? So mm -hmm. self-awareness nice. and intentional. Nice, nice. Uh, sorry for my invitation. I didn't know that <laughs> it's fine. Oh, I love it. I'm a morning person. I've been up since three o'clock, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, I can't avoid this question. You know, I, I see some books on your background. Can you tell more your loving books and why you read them? Yes. Until last year, I never, ever wanted to write a book. It was never on my bucket list. And then one morning I said to my partner, you know what? I need to write a book. <laughs> and he just said, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> and, you know, English is also not my first language. But mm -hmm. what I thought is... I want to leave a legacy. I want to give mm -hmm. people the tools, the actionable steps that they can leverage to future-proof their career, to become the go-to in their field. And this is what got me to write a book. And at the same time, I've been writing content in different shapes and forms from articles and blog posts and podcast episodes and keynotes of the last eight years. And I thought, what if I actually connect all of that together and give people a blueprint how they can become the trusted authority because nowadays the future of work is here and I always say we are not in a new world of work we are in the next world of work but nobody teaches us what it actually takes to succeed in the profession or the career that we are choosing for now that might change in two years time but in a second you know the blueprint and can follow certain framework you are prepared for it and this is what makes us as a society and an economy it puts us in a much better state. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Love it. Uh, can you tell uh, how to improve writing skills? If you write a lot, uh, you probably know about that, uh, if, <laughs> especially uh, about books. Can you tell uh, how to do it? Uh, for example, once I read a book, uh, Jack London, Martin Eden, uh, very nice book, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I recommend to everyone to read this book about a guy who uh, didn't have any education, but he... Uh, uh, had perseverance uh, to go ahead and yeah uh, and he could overcome many uh, famous uh, uh, people in his time uh, can you tell from your experience how to improve the skills yeah absolutely now with the caveat to say that I failed English nearly four years in a row when I was in high school mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and writing is a skill that only gets better the more you do it and I wrote even if it's just you know 300 words 
for the last few years and some of the blogs totally flopped. So it starts with knowing when is your creative time. For some, it might be in the morning because this is where the brain are fresh. For others, it might be at night when the kids are in bed. So knowing what time is it that you can be at your best in terms of your creative skills and then work around a schedule. Again, knowing when do you perform your best? This is when you batch the task or do you do it daily? So for me, I'm actually better when I'm batching. So I usually write, you know, when I wrote my book, I sometimes wrote for eight hours straight, but then I didn't write for the next five days. For mm. others, it may mean that you only do 20 minutes because this is where you are at your best. So even exploring, experimenting a little bit. And the one thing that would also that would also say would get you better with writing is actually reading because you get new ideas, you get new inspirations. And that also might mean to listen to an audiobook. So it doesn't necessarily need to be reading, reading, but mm -hmm. it could also be getting inspiration from podcasts, from audiobooks, um, and constantly being out for new inspirations. We see events and situations and story happening literally in front of us. So how can we be more intentional to connect it to the topic that we want to stand for that's important to us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love audio experience. I love uh, listening to books because I have no time uh, to read. Yeah, yeah I, I have this time. I have this time. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, in most cases, for example, if I run exercise or walk with my dogs, yeah, uh, I can listen and to kill two birds in one stop. Exactly. And this is a productive multitasking because there's mm -hmm. so much dead time. And, you know, I listen to about four hours podcast a day and people always say, but how can you do it? I don't have the time. I said, sum it up in a second. You brush your teeth in the morning. You can listen to a 10, 15 minutes podcast. You're driving to the gym, for example. You're exercising. You're walking the dogs. You're yeah. going shopping. You are ironing. You do the laundry. There are so much that time that doesn't require your mental capacity and you can actually use that to learn. I agree multitasking when you write an essay and you do a phone call or an interview, you cannot do that. You can't concentrate on both things. But being smart with multitasking is absolutely the way moving forward. Also, when we talk about the future of learning, it's about those mm. micro moments. How can you create those micro credentials and micro moments in your schedule that works with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, can you tell why you uh, created two companies? Why not one? Uh, what, uh, what is the difference between that? Well, it all started when I was still a corporate employee and mm -hmm. I was in recruitment and I placed so many people into roles, but I also realized that it was because I could translate what their background was and why they could contribute to my client's organization and their vacancy so well. Because often, when I always say, when you are in the jar, you can't read the label. And mm -hmm. I thought, what if I help them to create a process, a method, a system that they can clarify what their competitive advantage is? Because then they can communicate it confidently and online and offline and consistently themselves. And this is how they can commercialize themselves in one way or the other, corporate role, board engagement, their own business. But at the same time, because I work with so many organizations who were looking for talents, who were looking to develop their leaders, who were looking to future-proof their business, 
this is how it all came about. So initially, it started with impact on its own to work with B2C. But because I still had so many contacts and clients who wanted to continue working with me, I initially became partner in another business. And then three years ago, we um, separated and I built a business to be more... Um, to also diversify the offers. So for example, with recruitment, we do hackathons for young talents, for example. With leadership uh, coaching, leadership retreats, we also work on future leadership skills and global leadership capacities, which you know was a thing that we covered before COVID-19 was a thing. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, everyone said, oh, we don't need global leadership team capabilities. It's all right. And now all of a sudden, everyone thinks, how can we make this work? <laughs> so this is why the two businesses, and again, they work hand in hand together. So it's a nice fit. <laughs> You know, I love your energy in the morning. You know, I need <laughs> to learn from you. You know, how to find this energy at 5 a.m. No, no way. No, I have to say, I'm I'm a bit weird. I'm a morning person. Every single day for the last probably seven years starts at 3.02. Oh. <laughs> so I'm usually in the gym uh, and then start my day around 6, my working day around 6. So yeah, I'm good to go. Nice. I, I love this time. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, uh, can you tell leaders should listen or talk more? Sorry, say it again. I, uh, I mean, like, a leader, what, what leaders should uh, do more? Uh, listen or talk? Oh, listen, absolutely. There's a reason why we've got two ears and one mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Often, this is also, you know, where I see the biggest shift happening also in leadership. It was all about managing and giving you the task because we could mm -hmm. foresee what we need to do. We, you know, also education pretty much prepares us to fit into a mold, to do certain tasks over and over again. But thanks to technology and also different customer expectations, we, uh, the skill sets, that are required to meet those change demands are shifting. So nobody knows exactly what it takes to be successful tomorrow, next week, in three years' time. Simply mm -hmm. asking more questions as a leader, also putting it out to the team, uh, instead of giving the answer straight away, which we are all primed to do. It's like, well, how would you do go about it? What do you think is the mm -hmm. biggest challenge? What could be, you know, simply having positive uh, psychology and coaching skills in your arsenal. This is what the leadership of the future is all about, rather than just saying, do this, then do that, and then tick that box. Mm -hmm. There, having yeah. said that, management skills, you know, exactly doing that has a certain time and place, of course. But if we are talking about inspirational leadership and also getting the best out of people, not just the most out of people, how many boxes can I physically tick in an hour, then coaching skills are definitely um, the key to it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from my experience, I often see uh, two types of people. Uh, the first type, uh, uh, love to talk, to talk a lot, to share about anything. Uh, yeah, I usually listen to them because, you know, uh, when I listen, I can get valuable insights how I can provide in my services, you know, digital marketing mm -hmm. services. Uh, the second type uh, usually listen uh, to me, you know. Uh, for example, they want to know uh, what kind of value I can provide, how I can help them to grow. Uh, can you tell how uh, to find the best leadership style? You know, uh, we need to consider our nature i don't know uh, our uh, character uh, or uh, i don't know provide more insights about that listen or talk you know 
<laughs> yes. Well, everyone responds to different type of leadership style. Mm -hmm. But having said that, it also comes down to, again, the self-awareness. So I see a lot of leaders who try to prove their worth and their value who try to constantly talk and talk over others and don't give others the space because they feel obliged to having 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 to have all the answers. And this is not the case. In a second, we make somebody feel special. They feel special, obviously, and that oh. creates a positive halo effect on us. So it also comes down to your leadership brand. How do you want to be perceived and what are the actions aligned to it? So, you know, uh, people always say, but how can it be more interesting for others? And I always say, well, it starts with you becoming interested in them giving them the space mm -hmm. to talk and everyone likes to talk about themselves to be honest <laughs> so giving mm -hmm. people the opportunity in a safe space and encouraging the conversation this is what um creates you know bigger ideas and bigger conversations so mm -hmm. yeah i would say always in in doubt let other people talk more and listen more and even just ask some clarifying question. Oh, can you elaborate on that? What do you mean by this? Simply showing interest in others, that makes them feel special, that makes them feel important. And this is where they have the buy-in, where they say, they always looked after me. So of course I'm looking after my leader. I'm not going to jump to the next role that pays me $100 more, <laughs> which we're currently seeing. Like there's such a big um, war for talent, especially mm -hmm. in Australia and I think also in the US, because less loyalty um employees see that there's so much more to life than just having a role uh and you know how can you make people want to stay in your organization but make them feel appreciated and valued and respected mm -hmm. nice nice i love it uh, uh once um i heard an interesting quote from elon musk and kisha uh if uh, your team uh, doesn't fail that means uh, they are uh, not enough innovative. Now, uh, mm -hmm. that means uh, team needs to fail many times because they can uh, test, find something new, uh, don't copy others, you know, some generic methods. But I often see when bad bosses criticize their team, you know, oh, how you can do it, uh, you have your checklist. Can you tell uh, how to... Uh, uh, not to criticize, but empower others if they make these mistakes. Well, there's a difference between making a mistake because you haven't followed a process that's already there and failing mm -hmm. on purpose because innovation by definition is actually trialing testing, <laughs> meaning you mm -hmm. don't know exactly what the outcome is. So you need to expect there are going to be challenges and hurdles and, you know, pushbacks. So how can we refine that? Whereas if, you know, we uh, have followed the process for the last hundred years because we have to do certain things, it's, that's a different type of mistake. And it also comes down, you know, you, you probably have heard the term design thinking. How can we create, mm -hmm. say, the different custom experience in a safe space, in you know, in, in, in models, for example, and how can we create a bit of a prototype on a smaller scale and try it, get feedback, refine it, see what works, what doesn't work. So the two types of failing is a very different approach. Failing because I'm lazy, I haven't done the training, I'm, you know, ruthless, for example, washing your hands before you see a patient if you're a doctor, that's ruthless. That's a big mistake and a big no-no. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> if we say we, we try to find a new vaccination for COVID-19, of course, there are going to be 
errors and mistakes because we don't know. And this is where the failing forward approach comes in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. Um, can you tell, uh, for example, uh, uh, I'm a business owner. Yeah, uh, I have a company, uh, for, uh, let's imagine a big company. And um, can you provide a strong reason why I need to uh, take your services if I don't know your profile? Yeah, I know your profile. I know that you have extended experience. I know that you can help. But uh, if I don't know about that, can you provide a strong reason how you can help me uh, to improve some results uh, on my team with your services? Absolutely. In the end, people still buy from people they know, like, and trust, even if there's a big company behind it. It's still the account manager that drives the business. It's still the director that has the relationships. It's still a business owner that actually creates uh, business opportunities. So what, you know, especially nowadays where we've got more choices and with that more competition than ever, what makes us choose one company or one service provider or one product or another is how much do we resonate with them? How much do we feel understood by them? How much can they translate what we are feeling and thinking and wanting in their marketing message? And the more they can be, of you know, um, human, the, the more I relate to them. So, in the end, we've always engaged with people we know, like, and trust. Nowadays, with technology, it's just a different level how we do it. Most first interactions happen online. So what can you do that your online presence and profile actually does the heavy lifting for you already? What kind of keywords can you have there? What kind of marketing messaging can you have there? But then also, have you got social proof? You know, what do others experience with you? What do others say about you? Having a good um, comprehensive narrative that you actually curate and create based on what you want to be known for. That's a big step already to stand out without having to be loud, without, you know, overshouting. Back in the days when I went to uni, it was, marketing was all about how can we over, um, over pay, for example, you know, how can we out, mm -hmm. um, out advertise <laughs> if mm -hmm. somebody doesn't have that big budget we just spend even more on advertisement nowadays most of those platforms are for free think of social media now the companies the leaders the authorities that stand out are the ones who out contribute with content with sharing knowledge with sharing wisdom with translating their knowledge into a language that's easy to understand for others so it, it comes down to to those aspects Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Um, okay, um, I want to share my story. Uh, a few years ago, uh, we worked on a big project. And yeah, we expected to get uh, good revenue. Uh, but you know, in my team, uh, uh, I, I had no time to handle all processes in my team. And uh, we got a, a toxic environment. I didn't know about that. And uh, good players, uh, key players in my team left the company. So I decided to, do, uh, to learn what's going on uh, because uh, I, I felt that everything is fine, but uh, that was not. So after that, uh, I got it that I need to pay attention uh, to take away toxic environment uh, in the future. Yeah. Uh, can you tell more uh, how to handle the process uh, for busy uh, business owners who have no time to uh, spend time uh, with their team? Uh, yeah, I know it's important. We need to find this time. But if it's hard to find this time when you have a lot of other things to do, uh, how to handle a toxic environment and uh, 
uh, I don't know to, uh, to have this friendship in your team and not only like colleagues. Yeah, we are working together, but more about friendship. Can you provide more insights about that? Mm. Well, I think there are two questions in there because making time and finding time to different things, it comes down to priorities. When I say culture and um, and and transparency, for example, in our team are key core values, then it means that we need to prioritize seeing each other and you know checking in with each other. And it doesn't need to be long. It could be a 10 minutes stand up huddle every morning or uh, a once a week, half an hour meeting. So I've got um, a global team. And for example, we are checking in on Mondays and it's between 10 and 15 minutes that everyone knows what are the priorities for the week. What did we do last week? Uh, what has changed? And also just to say hello, and this is all we need. And then the rest of the communication happens on Slack. So it's finding a rhythm that works with you and not against you. Having some kind of fixed touch points that you know can be quite minimal, that already takes the um, the heaviness out of, oh my God, we have to meet again for an hour. Or you don't meet for, say, three weeks and then the meeting goes like for three hours because everyone needs to vent and get rid of it. So that comes down to what is the operational process that works best for the team. When we talk about toxic environments, we need to identify what's the reason for it. Is it because somebody tries to walk over others to get ahead you know, what kind of personalities are in there? What creates this toxic environment? Is it because we have to prove ourselves? Is it also because maybe we are so scared that we are losing our roles? This could also create a toxic environment that we just try to outwork and outperform everyone that we are not getting made redundant or whatever it might be. So it goes to the core as to why is it actually so competitive or so toxic? And then work a way around that. I found myself also in very toxic environments and I didn't realize it was all about this competitiveness. You know, marketing as such is quite a competitive industry and the companies and teams that I was in, everyone literally walked over others to get ahead. Whereas mm -hmm. now working with teams and organizations um, that I'm choosing because I see what can happen, it's completely opposite experience. Everyone lifts each other up and pushes the other forward uh, because they nobody fears of their own role. Nobody doubts their own contribution and capabilities. So it's a very different reason and environment why it can go toxic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, love it. Uh, okay, I, I have the last uh, final question uh, to you. Uh, uh, can you tell if someone wanna be an expert like you, where to start, what to learn, what books to read uh, to uh, get all these skills and provide uh, in their experience and yeah, to grow themselves as a leadership? leadership. Mm. It starts with uh, acknowledging that you don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm an expert, I'm the authority in here. It's a process, it's an evolution. Mm -hmm. And it starts with you being simply curious to, with, for a few uh, topics and also connected with strengths and skills and experience that you already have. In the second, we say, you know what, I'm so fascinated by neurodiversity. I don't have a PhD, I haven't written a book, I don't have anything about it doesn't mean that you couldn't become an authority in that space. What it means is how can you research so much about the topic, even with interviewing others, reading about it, taking a few courses, developing your own thought leadership around it, that you 
eventually through the process of sharing content of getting you know the right connections that you become it so it's not something that you are born with or you're one day finally get over this hump it's a process of becoming it and you expand also in that so it's committing to lifelong learning and again being very intentional and mindful as to what are my strengths what are my skill set and what are my biggest interests what is it that i would love to learn about research listen to uh talk about 24 7 also when i don't get paid so this is a really a good indicator what kind of direction to take and then obviously overlaid with the market demand is anyone already talking about neurodiversity uh, and neuroscience for example well, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> there is. But what kind of angle could I take? Is it that I've got a personal experience with um, a friend or a family member who suffers from, you know, neurodiversity uh, challenges? Then I can connect the story with the science and create my own positioning. Or is it that I'm in leadership and I'm working with a very um, different or diverse team? Then I would take a different angle. So what is your positioning, basically, that makes mm -hmm. you different? And then continue to develop your own uh, thought leadership on that starting conversations creating a network around it and this is how you become the authority <laughs> uh, you know you hided all my secrets all my secrets you know <laughs> because I, I didn't have phd any degree you know marketing you hided all my secrets <laughs> how i got them <laughs> but you know you, you don't need it i was reading literally this morning at the gym that the enrollments uh, to colleges and universities especially in the us have dramatically decreased and it continues to decrease because um you know 18 20 year olds realize that simply a degree doesn't mean they are successful it means that they are future-proving their career. It comes down to the marketed, uh, marketing and sales capabilities of yourself. How can you also consistently and continuously reinvent yourself to stay relevant? Just because I started marketing in 2006, you know, it's a long time ago, it doesn't make me a marketing specialist because everything that happened, you know, even five years ago is old, it's outdated. Like we learned how to do billboard advertisement and radio advertisement not social media, not influencer marketing, not something that's relevant today. So simply having a lot of, you know, years of experience doesn't actually make you better at something. And I always say your best thinking five or 10 or 15 years ago could now become your biggest baggage because we haven't embraced technology. We haven't embraced five generations in the workforce. We haven't embraced different expectations from consumer to actually stay relevant. You know, think of Uber. My parents always say, never, ever go into a car with a stranger. And what are we doing now? We're paying for it <laughs> to go yeah. in a car with a stranger. But again, it couldn't have been possible a few years ago, simply because we had, didn't have the technology. So being curious about what's next and embracing the change. Nice, nice. Thanks a lot, Petra. Yeah, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn a lot from you. You are a real leader. Yeah, I love it. And uh, <laughs> tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Absolutely. Now, I also have a podcast. So everyone who is already interested in podcasts, it's your brand, your future. We are across all the channels. And I always say I live on LinkedIn. So this is the easiest way to connect with me. If everyone wants to learn what it takes to become the trusted authority, you can go also onto my website, impact with triple C forward slash freebies to get very comprehensive guys. Download that and we can go from there.
Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, you need to do it. You need to do it. If you want to be a real leader, as Petra, you know, yeah, you need to do it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's a big pleasure again, yeah, for your time because you started uh, in the morning, 5 a.m., yeah. Yeah, for, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, thank I you so much for it. for stepping up as a leader yourself and doing it also when it is uncomfortable. And you've done such an amazing job with the interview, with the question, with the preparation. So keep up the fantastic work and I'm more than happy to support you in any way I can. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys, listen us on Google, Apple, Spotify. You can find all links to Petra Zink, uh, to LinkedIn, to your website, to your companies uh, in the description below. And see you next time. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.